You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Today you are getting a double feature Broadway episode featuring Summer 1976 starring Jessica Hecht and Laura Linney and Goodnight Oscar starring Sean Hayes. This is Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Half Hour! What's up, everybody? It's Jeff and Richie here, your co-hosts, and we're bringing you our weekly conversation on our top theater and pop topics of the week. This week, we're bringing you a double feature on two Broadway plays, and we're going to take a little bit of a break from the pop music. We go in-depth on these theater pieces, and they will feature spoilers, so skip around throughout the episode if need be. Hey, Jeff, here we go. We're talking about two new plays are. on Broadway. Uh, taking a little pop music break, as I said earlier, and we're diving into... That's okay. Now- we can always take a little break yeah. when we don't have much to talk well, about in that area. But- and when we have so many plays to talk about in the month of May, that it's Tony season, and <laughs> we have May. to... It's May. So we have... I actually think for the next few weeks, we're going to have two shows. Oh, not every episode, but most episodes coming up, we have two shows to talk mm-hmm. about because there are so many shows this Tony season. As many of you know, uh, end of April ended the Tony season for Tony eligibility. So to actually, right now, Grey House is playing uh, as a new Broadway play, and that is the first play of the next Tony season. So it's already starting the next season. Today, we're talking about two plays from this Tony season, the Tony season that we are just finished and that we have Tony nominations coming for. And our printer is going off. I don't know why. <laughs> but if you hear that noise, our printer is, is alive. And is it printing something? I think. I don't know. It's don't kind know. of mysterious why our printer is printing right now. <laughs> but you got to uh, laugh. It's actually, I think it's printing something. Wow. Okay. Maybe to be, to be click something. I don't know. Anyway, we're here talking about our first play of this episode. Manhattan Theater Club at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, Summer 1976. <laughs> summer 1976 is by David Auburn. It starred Laura Linney and Jessica Hecht, directed by Daniel Sullivan. Two-person play. I uh, didn't know what to expect kind of going into this. Um, I was glad that I saw it. Uh, what are your overall thoughts, though, on this, Summer 1976? Wow. This... Okay, I really actually did not know what that this play was about either, but uh, I was... You know, I there were moments in this play that I really enjoyed, and then there were moments that I didn't, and then I kept going back and forth in a little bit of a teeter-totter of, like, do I like this play or do I not like this play? Mm-hmm. And then, is this play too real, or is this play just, like, I don't know, we're watching these two women up there, you know, kind of pour their hearts into these two roles, but I don't know, I didn't really feel like it was anything out of the norm or anything kind of unique that was put up on the stage. But I liked kind of this short story style play, just watching it up there. Like you were like, Oh, okay. This seems like, like a piece that maybe it was like written in the newspaper or something that you kind of were just like, Oh, okay. Wow. This is interesting. But I don't know. I was just, yeah. You You were like on the fence. I was on the fence. (laughs) I thought it was well-written. It's really nice to hear in-depth stories about, like, how you meet someone at a point in your life, and then you become friends with them, and then you're not friends with them anymore. And I think that's so interesting. For these two women talking about a a time in their lives when they were in a very different place than they were much later in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really praise the acting performances here. Um, I really... I've never seen Laura Linney or Jessica Hecht in anything before. I really enjoyed Laura Linney in this. But I did really enjoy Jessica Hecht in this. And I feel like with Jessica Hecht, I remember leaving there thinking to myself, oh my gosh, 
I really hope she gets Tony, Tony, Tony nominated for this. <laughs> and she did. And she got Tony nominated and Laura Linney did not. And I'm curious to know, like, do you agree with that? They're both up there the whole time. Like, what do you think about that? I I was shocked when I saw that Jessica Hecht was nominated. You were? This. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought she, I saw it coming because I thought she was so good. She was great, yeah. but I kind of were would have been shocked if either of them were nominated in it. And when I did see her name, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And I had not seen all of the plays yet, and we still haven't seen all of the plays. Yeah. But I was like, hmm, what is Rachel doing in Sidney Brewstein's window that she didn't get a nomination and Jessica Hecht did get the oh, nomination? Okay. So okay. I was immediately like, okay, what's going on there? But... When I saw that she did get nominated, I, I guess Alice is the character that should get nominated mm-hmm. here. There's such a moment in this show that is just like, okay, that deserved it. Right. Right? Right. Laura Linney's fine, and her character was fine. I just thought Jessica stole it with a lot of the comedy and a lot of the moments. She was just, I was just really glued in on her a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really did enjoy that overall. I will say this, though. And I don't want to be I don't want to be mean. I, don't, I never want to be mean here, and I never want to be critical of anything in particular. But I will say that to me, there seemed to be this like sense lurking throughout this whole thing. And like I said, not discussing the writing or the acting because I thought those were the strongest points. But the concept of this, from directorial to production to design. Mm-hmm. the word that kind of comes to mind is just lazy. And I hate to say that, but I really found a- extreme lazy design and directorial concept here. And I am not saying we need bells and whistles at all times. I'm really not. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually nice when you see just like two people telling a story, but when no joke, Oh gosh, wouldn't you say 75% of that is them sitting in those two chairs? Yeah. So that is one thing I'm like, mm, okay, they're never going to stand up. They're never going to like really embrace. They're never going to look at each other half the time. Right. There's projections, but barely. There's costumes, but barely. I don't know. Like I really, and this is what might sound me, I re- like I said, I really don't want to sound me, but I kind of got the vibe that if I was a fly on the wall of the Manhattan Theater Club production offices and design meetings for this show, the vibe I got was like, Hey, do you want to do this play? Sure. Let's call that director up. All right. <laughs> director calls. Hey, so and so, you I need I'm doing this two person play. I need them to just be in some clothes. Can you just put her like like okay, side note, Laura Linney in all black the whole show? Come mm. on. Yeah, I wonder re- the, I wonder the <sighs> reasoning why. This guy I want to ask them because we're we're doing a Broadway play. Yeah. We're not doing a small 50-seat black box downtown version of this. And I'm not saying that you can't have that vibe on Broadway, but there was like a, hey, I, I need to call this lighting designer up. Hey, do you want to come light this play? Just kind of put some lights up. Just kind of have them in an outfit. They're going to sit the whole time. That's the vibe I got, mm-hmm. was that these production team members who worked hard, of course everyone's working hard to get something on Broadway, but I just got the sense that there was just this, like, let's just put it up and let these two great actresses say the words. Right. You know? Do you agree with that? I do agree with that, because when you look at this show and you say to yourself, did the play call for a very minimal set and minimal direction? Yeah. 
So I kind of say no. I think that this play actually needed more to boost it. So when we're talking on this topic of like minimal sets this season, this one needed a little bit more, I think. And it needed a little bit more movement. The retelling of their story together of going into friendship, which is the big topic that I do want to talk about here rather than just the whole piece. I would rather go into the text of this play, but I just... I didn't want to have to envision most of this. So, like, when we go to, like, a a show from Pictures from Home, which we also saw this season, and there was either video footage or reenactment happening, the reenactment really never happened in this. I would have almost loved to have seen, when they're kind of telling this story, a reenactment happening with maybe other characters or other um, performers on the stage just reenacting it. Maybe they're not talking it or doing anything like that. It just would have been like a different take. Like, why was there no other visual happening when this was on the stage? It was just like if you were reading a book and this is what your imagination was kind of creating. I We saw Gabriel Burns walking with ghosts, and I found that that man's past that he was telling us was so much more vivid to me. Mm -hmm. There was barely any scenery in that. But he walked around, he talked to us, he told the story, there was some sound effects, there was some vocal changes, there was engagement. I just found that there was like little engagement. with. There was definitely little engagement. But I do want to talk about one thing that I did love, okay? And that was the way that there was something that happened in the show that just kind of changed. And when they were reenacting driving across country, and you thought it was really happening. Yeah, that was a great moment. And then all of the sudden, it was like, boom. And now this is going to move into the text as well of the play, because you were like, wait, that didn't happen? Yeah. And it's kind of like on this whole topic of here of like friendship. And I think we go through this in our own daily lives, but like, what does it mean to be a friend, a true friend, or what does it mean for someone to come into your life and... They just so happen to, like, become friends with you, whether it is a child, which is, in this case, these two women become friends because of their children, their two daughters becoming friends. So they're like, all right, I guess we have to become friends. Mm. But it was just interesting to see, like, wow, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, you know, when you're you're in high school, you're a kid or you're a co-worker and you're like, oh, okay, we're friends, but are we friends? And mm. I think that's the question that they always ask each other. Are we actually friends or are we just because we have to be? I, and it, that was a really strong moment, the climax of the piece when they were mm-hmm. like, is this really happening or not? To me, there was also the ending when they're years later. I was like, oh my gosh, they're standing up. They're talking. They're looking at each other. They changed their coat. <laughs> like there, <laughs> there was a moment of like, okay. And they hugged or maybe embraced. And I was like, oh, it, it all came together because I guess if there's any smart choice, there was sit them for most of the show to speak this and then actually bring them together at the time when they were most stranger-like with each other. And I think that there were definitely moments, though, that were trying to come across in that. And I wonder if this had a little bit more of, like, working to the stage, if it would have came across for us as the viewer. But, you know, one thing you have to say is what could have been were the most interesting parts, but that were actually what was, wasn't. You were Mm. like, ooh, you know, if they did actually go across country, that's something that you do do with a real friend. And I think that just shows you like, oh, 
they weren't real friends because they didn't actually do it. They couldn't be real with each other to actually say like, no, let's leave our husband or you need to leave your husband and we're going to go. And mm-hmm. they could never say that to each other. Mm-hmm. And then by the end that you're talking about, it's like, all right, now let's just hug. Oh, what was is never it again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting. I, I, I do think that the actual concept of the play is interesting, but this kind of just left me wanting more. It did, and, and and that's why I just feel like I don't like I said earlier. I don't need bells and whistles and a ton of movement and scenery and lighting and all this crazy uh, smoke and mirrors. But but I don't know. To me, from a director's standpoint, just to get them moving a little bit more and mm-hmm. and and just feel like this. At times, it felt like I was watching a four hour play, yeah. and it wasn't a four hour play. And I think when you're telling a story, the the purpose is to tell it. Yes, it was like these two women sitting at a table telling a story. But then it's like, I don't know. You have a projection designer, a set designer, a lighting designer, a costume designer. All these – it's a whole team. Mm-hmm. It, I could almost actually understand if it was like directed, designed, and written by one person. I think, okay, like one person – Put this up there to see all these names listed here of all very capable, hardworking people. Yeah. And then to say, like, that's what we got out of it. Of course, Jessica Act and Laura Linney are going to be working. They have to tell this whole story. It's almost like they were kind of left alone up there to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing I hate to say. What's the difference between them holding the script in their hands and not like usually when you take the script out of your hand, you're like, OK, I'm going to act this role. And I'm going to get into I got the words in my head. I'm memorized. It was just seemed stiff for two accomplished actresses who can handle so much more. It just seemed very, and maybe it was supposed to be, it's funny, speaking of billing, the advertisements of this show more lighting, more costumes and more props than the actual show. (laughs) They're like, they're like sitting in lawn chairs and they're like in these nice shirts and they're looking at fireworks and there's a wine glass in their hand. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be this like really mood setting piece. And then you get there and they're just sitting at a table. Which is such an interesting choice because they kind of set the scene that they want you to create in your head, but then they never give you the scene. Okay. But I can go see this current revival of a doll's house and be given little design and still feel like, wow. So you know what I'm saying? It, I know, you but, can in, have a doll, little but in a doll's of- house, they don't create a scene for you in their marketing. What I'm saying is 1976 creates the scene of like what they want you for, to kind of yeah. imagine, but then they never give you that scene on the stage and you're like, hmm, why? Yeah. Doll's house, you're left for the imagination from the beginning. Right. It's a little, a little different. But, you know, thinking about this a little bit more, if you could have changed one thing in this show, what would you have changed? I just would have gotten rid of that table. <laughs> I think the table was like this eyesore, like, thing sitting there. It was almost like they were in an interrogation room. Yeah. And I'm like... And, like, they were waiting for, like, oh, the, and then, like the te- this, detective to realize, like, why were they not friends? This, like, <laughs> big, busy wall behind them with all this texture on it made no sense, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I just was, like, so disappointed. And I'm disappointed because you have this great text. I thought it was really well written yeah. and really well acted. And I just couldn't believe that that's what a design team decided to do with it. Yeah. It was almost like we're going to go low budget. We're going to keep this real simple. Listen, Laura and Jessica want to sit. You know, it's almost like that's what they said. I'll do the Broadway show if I can sit the whole time. Well, you know, and I'm sure they didn't say that, but that's what you yeah. feel like. And you're going to sit at a Broadway theater. 
I don't know. I just if there was one thing I would have done is get rid of those that that big table. Mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't have minded if they sat at times and that table wasn't there. It's like a third of the stage is taken up with this huge table in between them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's on purpose to show some distance between there. I get it. Maybe there's a metaphor there, right? But I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 it, what's it was, our What's our verdict here? We like the play. But like the, the production is on the fence. And, I, and I'm glad Jessica Hector got Tony nominated because <laughs> I do like her. And I actually loved really what she was doing in this. Um, and at least she got to wear something of interest yeah. compared to Laura Linney's in all black the whole time. I'm like, why are you wearing all black? Mm. Are you like, I don't get it. We're not, in a, we're not doing something like, I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't my favorite of the season. I'll say that, but it wasn't the worst thing I ever saw. So I'm just like, on that and that's part one of the double build discussion today because we need to now move on to a very different play another new play very this tony play. season at the belasco theater good night oscar good night oscar yes um stars sean hayes it's a play written by doug wright and directed by lisa peterson um, this is three Tony nominations this season for scenery, for costumes, and for Sean Hayes. It did not, another play that did not get a Best Play Tony nomination. Which, let's just start by saying, I am actually quite shocked about that, because I really liked this. And I'm shocked that it didn't get a Best Play nomination. But, before I dive in, Same. what are your overall thoughts on Goodnight Oscar? Okay, here we go. Mine, I actually enjoyed this much more than Summer 1976. So, Goodnight Oscar... I, first of all, would go back and see it again, because I enjoyed this a lot. I think that Sean Hayes is giving the performance of the season. It also could possibly be the performance of his career. Yes. I think. And I know that the actual play isn't getting as much rave as some of the other plays this season, but I disagree with that, because this is the style that we have been talking about for a while now of taking a moment of someone's career and creating a piece around it. And this kind of, to give you the overview of this, this is about, um, Oscar Levant, Oscar. Yes. Oscar Levant. And the, what five hours leading up to his last performance on the tonight show or his appearance on it and his piano performance, right? A specific moment, in a specific moment really in time. So right. it's just one day and it's yeah. the moment leading up to that. And what happened during those hours, you know? And I just thought that that was creative and I could watch that whole thing because I was like, Oh, you learn in such a little amount of time, so much about his life, so much about his mannerisms, so much about his OCD, his addiction, his comedy, his family, and it just worked. It was interesting. And guess what? Maybe this isn't as interesting to someone who already knows much about him, but I didn't know a lot about him. I actually probably know nothing about him. When you learn a little bit more, and he was like, in Singing in the Rain. And I'm like, he was? I just, I don't know his name. American on- Paris. Too. He wasn't in Singing in the Rain? Uh, well, I don't know about Singing in the Rain, but I definitely know he was in American Paris with Gene Kelly. Who was in Singing in the Rain? I don't know. He Was he in Singing in the Rain? I definitely know he was in American Paris. But maybe, or maybe they quoted something from Singing oh, in the Rain. Oh, they might have at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, someone quoted something from Singing. Sorry. Whoops. But anyway, American in Paris. 
And there we go. If you're watching the video, American in Paris. Um, yeah, I overall this play is well done. I love when they take a specific moment of someone famous as opposed to let's tell the whole story of this person's life on stage. Because I'm you imagine so sick of this that. as a musical? No. no, no. But it is all Sean Hayes. It is incredible to see what this man has done with his career. I saw him on Promises, Promises with Kristen Chenoweth a few years ago. He was great in that. Mm-hmm. He's Jack from Will and Grace, which is just so iconic and so amazing. And which wh- to say, I did not get any ounce of Jack up on that stage. There was one or two moments when he delivered a line. I was like, oh, there's that comedy moment. But it wasn't Jack. It was just Sean Hayes being Sean Hayes with his acting, right? Um there's some wonderful moments here. It's 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 taking you through addiction and mental illness and the struggle that this person's going through. He is transformative in this role. I mean, I'm going to say it right now, I'm sure he's going to win this Tony Award. And and with all the other amazing performances in that category this year, what a tough category it is to be leading actor in a play this mm-hmm. year. But I mean, I can totally see him winning it. Not only because of that, because he gets to the end. I just have to talk about that. It wasn't the very, very end. It was like the second to last scene, like the 11 o'clock right. moment. He gets to the piano. He plays Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Yes, Sean Hayes himself actually sits at the piano and actually plays it. And plays it beautifully. Effortlessly. I and, and to learn that he has piano skills and has played piano his whole life, Sean Hayes, I'm saying. I, I was so taken I was there. I was with him. And when he would stop playing and look around, there was just this haunted, ghostly tragedy to mm-hmm. it. But there was such beauty in it. I I teared up. I really did. It takes a lot for me to cry or tear up in a show or get emotional. I have. I, I've had I, a few I of those moments. I will confirm that I did hear the... I did tear up because I find that song to be stunning and to hear it played live like that. And I can maybe count on one hand... The amount of times in a Broadway theater that I have stood up mid-show. It's Cynthia Revo in Color Purple. It's Andrea Martin in Pippin. If you're all listening, I hope you've seen some of these moments that I'm talking about. It's rare for me to do that, but I have it's done ben it. It's Ben Mittler and Hello Dolly. It's Ben Mittler and Hello Dolly. It's Leah pa- Michelle. Leah and Michelle and Funny Girl. Girl. It's Patty Lapone and Gypsy. Those are my moments. All, all the ladies. All women. <laughs> but now I can add a man to that list because I... And I know it's at the at the end of the show, but it wasn't technically the end of the show. There was still scenes after. Mm-hmm. I instantly stood up and gave that man a standing ovation. Yeah, I couldn't do anything else but stand up and applaud him for what he had did in that seven or eight minutes of playing that song. And there was so much direction happening in that as well. There were so many moments that were being created in that portion of the show that you were like... The lighting, the orchestra coming in. In. He's starting solo on piano, and they're piping in orchestration to time it with his live playing. That's hard. And the spotlights of him going up on the wall was yeah. just like, yes, that was whoa, amazing. Whoa, what's happening? It was almost chilling, but it was also learning about someone who has so many issues. And what's the one thing of his escapism is his music. Mm-hmm. And wanting to, uh, the urge of going back and forth of like the Jekyll and Hyde syndrome of like wanting something that's your own and wanting to play your own music finally and you still couldn't. Yeah. And still always being compared to Gershwin. And 
Gershwin being the voice in his head, which is such an interesting topic, too, about these early on people in the industry that the industry just eats them alive. And we saw something very similar to this when we saw the Judy movie film where they took that moment of, you know, Renee Zellweger playing Judy and watching the fall of Judy and the dirty that the industry did to her and the addiction that was created from her being in this industry. And then you see someone like him and it's like the same thing happened again. Mm -hmm. But also the people in his life that just contribute to that. And, you know, his wife, he has a line and I like, I still remember it so um, vividly of him saying it, but it's like, you know, she drove me crazy and then had me committed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's so sad. And it's also sad at the end where she was like, no, you can come home now. And then he said, no. And he was like, no. And I think what's so interesting about that is like, well, who was making these decisions for him? She was. She decided when he was going in and then she decided when he was coming out. And we talked a little bit about this when we left the theater, how I personally didn't like that it ended with her. I kind I, I liked her. Uh, I actually loved her costume, which I can understand why the costumes got nominated for this. But I didn't like that the last thing I was left with as the audience member was her alone in the studio. I understood why, right? Like, he's gone, she's kind of alone, the studio's dark, and she's left looking at the door and, and blackout, end of scene, end of play. <laughs> but to me, I, I just almost wish it ended with, like... Him in some way. I would have loved to have been left with him. And if but you, it did end it, with him. It did. But I'm talking about the literal last visual moment. The last visual. No, it did not end with him. But it did end with him by him leaving. Yeah. It's like the same thing in My Fair Lady. When she leaves. Oh, it's like Doll's House. When, when she, she leaves, leaves right. it ended with them. Yeah. It ended with him. Yeah. He said, no more. Yeah. You did this. I, I just, I would go back in a heartbeat just to watch him play that piano again like that. Oh, yeah. I just thought that was so good. And the other characters are great in this, too. There's some nice comedy moments throughout. Um, I, I, I will say from a director's standpoint, there was this, like, um, suspension of disbelief when Gershwin would appear. Like, the smoke would come and the lights would change. and then Or when he was having a moment, I mean, Sean Hayes, and he was on the floor. You know, but I almost wish we went more theatrical with it. It would have been nice to just go a step further. Could we have done a little more with projections? Could we have done a little bit more with dream sequence moment? Just a little. Not like beat me over the head with like crazy drama. He wants it. I don't. Uh, yeah. That was just what I would have done a little bit more of. I almost feel like it was a safe way of going into dream sequence without going maybe one step further. Um, but that, I, know, I but also I understand don't... that's not what the play was meant to do. I right. understand. And that. for me, I don't really want a non-realistic moment mm. in there. I think the non-realistic moment happening in the performance portion of it when he's playing Rhapsody in Blue and that portion that's not realistic of the shadows coming in and you know they could be if the spotlights are going on him in that way but it wouldn't be in the the tv studio but to see that and the anger that he's putting into the music I, I I just liked that more you know, seeing and, it in that and, way. And I also loved seeing Sean Hayes with his mannerisms and the way he changed his vocal speaking and mm-hmm. his tics and his, oh my gosh, Fully I love embodied. seeing acting like that. That is acting to me mm-hmm. is just so encompassed in the character and living that. I think I, I watched the CBS Sunday morning special on this and he had said, I'm very tired yeah. at the end of the night. Of course you are. 
It's a two-hour play, but that two hours is totally taking up almost all of your energy of the day. Mm-hmm. He was amazing in this. And he has and to be on the whole time. Yeah. And, it, and you know what? He doesn't come out of character. And it's so interesting because it's another topic that we're going to be talking about more later when we get to some of these other shows. But some of these actors this season are in and out of character. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how you do that when mm-hmm. you're on the stage. Mm-hmm. You know? And he is fully committed to that character. Yeah. He's living the Oscar And I'm not mark. saying you have to be, because I know that there was a whole topic early on in this year about, like, giving what percent to the stage. But I think when you're putting on a character, you that's what you're here, and that's what you're born to do yeah. in this. And own that. Yeah. And good for you, Sean Hayes, for coming in and doing something like this and really telling a story of someone's struggle. Mm-hmm. And maybe what we saw of Oscar Levant in the 1950s is not now we're showing a side of him that was a struggle story. Which is very much still happening in the industry today. Sure. And it's so important to still talk about things like this because you see what the industry does to people and you see what the industry does to people like Britney Spears mm-hmm. and you see what the industry does to people like Amanda Bynes and people that have similar stories, not like his exactly, but... Starting in one place, and now where are they today? And, and you saw it with, but it started with the Judys and Oscar and, and Marilyn and yeah. Whitney Houston, even as we go further into time, and the struggles of, of what people have gone through in the industry, for sure. Yeah. So it's so, it's so important. But, I mean, I really suggest people try to go check oh, yeah. this out. At the High on the list. Theater. It's playing till I think, mid-August. Um, I just, I really do think he's going to win the Tony. If you want me to call it now, I totally see him winning the Tony Award for this, Sean is. I mean, it, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, it was amazing. So, so you heard it here that you get your tickets before <laughs> yeah, before that Tony before you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh! Wow. wow, two shows makes these episodes really fly by, <laughs> right? Um, well, you know what that sound means. Time for another episode of Half Hour to wrap up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast. Make sure you subscribe for all our new episodes. We have a few more episodes until Tony's. Uh, we have a couple weeks coming up, our big Tony predictions episode, and we are seeing just about everything this season. We have a mm-hmm. couple shows left to see. Not and just about. We are seeing. We it. are seeing every shows because now we have tickets to the last two shows of the mm-hmm. season. So next week. We'll have more to talk about. I just love talking about these shows. Two very different shows this episode. Both had their own great moments and both new plays. So nice to talk about. Amazing. All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, And signing off for now, I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. 
Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.